listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. It is 8.04am and we're excited to be here with you today. Take it away, please, Lawson, with our next quiz question before we continue on into some text messages and into our Bible study time. Hey, guys, we've got multiple choice now. And as you know, with multiple choice, it's just simply hey, A, B, C or D. You've got a 1 in 25. Well, no, you've got a 1 in 4. You've got a 25% chance. I've said that so many times. Every time we do multiple choice, I say, hey, it's a 1 in 25, and then I have to correct myself. No, it is even better than that. It's a 1 in 4, and it's simply this. What three-word question did Pontius Pilate utter after Jesus said he had come into the world to testify to the truth? Did he say, A, how are you? B, are you insane? C, what is truth? Or D, Am I forgiven? 0491-064-669 is the number two text if you know the answer to that one. Again, what three-word question did Pontius Pilate utter after Jesus said he had come into the world to testify to the truth? Was it A, how are you? B, you are insane. C, what is truth? Or D, am I forgiven? Now, of course, our prizes for this week, which you can win if you get these questions correct, is none other. We've got two amazing prizes here. Preaching from the Grave, a story of faith from the Rwandan genocide by Fidaitis Nadalim Gabe. This is a st- just amazing story of a person living out their faith despite the severest of persecutions. And also the man that the Anzacs revered. It's all about William fighting Mac McKenzie, who was an Anzac chaplain who basically made his way all across, you know, Europe and where they were fighting in World War One, supporting the Anzac truth and bringing to them, well, bringing the troops present truth and leading them to consider, hey, what is it that I believe? What is it that I stand for? What is life all about? And supporting them at that time. If you want either of these books or you want both of them, because you can win both of them. Hey, 0491-064-669. That's the number to text A, B, C or D. Absolutely. And we've had had some text messages coming through this morning. Sunny wrote in again saying, good morning, Danuna and Lawson. I can't pinpoint a favorite. Oh, so we've done that one. Don't, yeah. I'll go back to that one. Sorry, Freco, because he did write a segment, but Freco wrote in before that too. Freco says, raspberries are best. I grow them in my garden, as mm. well as blackberry, blueberry, young rhee, all thornless and strawberry. So I, I didn't, I've never heard of young berries before. And we talked about it here when we we're off air. Hey, it's the same kind of family as blackberry berries and raspberries mm. if if anyone out there doesn't know like i didn't know i've heard of gooseberries uh but yeah so these young berries well at the moment raspberries are ripe i go down to the garden every mm. morning and fill my mouth up yum yum i feel very jealous i wish That's i could awesome. have something like that but you are very fortunate freco good for you enjoy those to, um and every moment that you eat those nothing better than eating from the garden absolutely because the flavor is amazing Sunny writes back in again. I just want to give a shout out to Faith FM, especially the breakfast show for bringing Jesus into my house first thing in the morning. Isn't that beautiful? Mm. For bringing Jesus into my house first thing in the morning. Keep up the good work. That's from Sun, Sunny mm. right there. Um, there's one from Wayne. Do you want to read yeah, that one for sure. us? Yeah, sure. Wayne writes in. He says, Good morning, Danuta and Lawson. Blessings, Pastor Justin. And he makes some really good points. I see nationalism is Satan as the wolf dressed in sheep's clothing appearing to be in the form of Christ, making out to help the world with poverty, hunger, crisis, housing, jobs, etc., appearing to help in all these areas, but deceiving everyone to earn your trust and worship. All parts of the jigsaw puzzle are coming together. 
to prepare for America and the Vatican coming together. So we need to really know our Bible. So we need to know the events that take place and be aware of the miracles that will follow to deceive even the elect. And I think this text message from Wayne, it's really infusing in bringing together a number of key themes that we see in Bible prophecy, which is the enforcement of worship through Satan's kind of end-time institutions and agencies. We also see, yeah, that, that that enforcement happens as a result of false miracles and it's mm. false miracles in a sense you know you could say it's it's you could say it's literal miracles or just in the way that they act and operate being you know again incredibly I would say, you know, in a miraculous way, like in an, in an overly like, wow, like, and again, the, the, the response that we see in the book of Revelation chapter 13, it's like they see these nations, and these countries doing these things and operating in a certain way. And the response is, oh, like, you know, hey, like, like who could not worship this? Mm. You know, who, who could not mm. marvel at this? And I, I, but I, I think this is so insightful. I see nationalism as a wolf in sheep's clothing. And this is kind of what, Pastor Justin was pointing out because nationalism and, and, and even Wayne here saying, you know, in regards to poverty, hunger, crisis, houses and jobs, like nationalism usually always stabilizes the economy of a country. If it's too isolationist, like say in North Korea, then you definitely fall down the track. And, you know, if there's too much, you know, enforcement on making surplus and whatnot, there can be the stall of the economy. But we saw like, particularly during the, the America, the modern America, American period of nationalism, which was, Mm. you know, 2016 to 2020 Mm. under Donald Trump, like the economy of the United States was booming. Mm-hmm. The, do- the dollar was really strong. Mm. Everything was going really well. And it was like, wow, this is, this is a really good situation economically, which would in- incite anyone to want to continue. And, and it's one of the biggest criticisms of the current Biden government is the complete shambles that the American economy is currently in due to the debt crisis, which has happened under Biden. So this is a, well, there's been a debt crisis all the way through, but the, the incredible increase that we've seen in that under Biden. And so again, it's like, yes, then nationalism is, is good. Oh, that's the way to go to create these borders and whatnot. But then globalism also isn't the solution because I think you have some time of nationalism and the pendulum swings backwards and forwards. And ultimately these political systems, I, I believe wholeheartedly, None of them have our best interest at heart. There's always people in high places trying to win the affection of the people so that they can enforce their their wants and their wills. And what we need to do is say, hey, what is God, the person who loves us more than anything else who gave our lives for us, what is he wanting us to stand for? What is he wanting us to be affiliated with? And we see that that is ultimately the, the gospel. Uh, that's right, absolutely. And I love the fact that you say, no, globalism isn't good, nationalism isn't good, but, you know, really this is why Jesus is the answer for yes. us. And I love also what um, Justin said. He said it's not about standing or following on the popular or the strong side. It's actually about standing on the right side. Mm. Um, and, you know, and the Bible tells us who and what is the right side to stand on in every way. So, um, you know, knowing God's word is is really crucial for us, particularly at these times, more than ever, ever before, to know God's word, to look at prophecies and to see that they are being fulfilled in front of our very eyes as well. And that indicates that Jesus is coming soon. Um, so, um, you know, just really important stuff. And, and how good was was um, Justin's, Pastor Justin's um, interview, you know, segment on, on exactly mm. that. And he said, don't succumb to a bully because if you do it once, then you need to keep succumbing to the bully um, and that, that bullies have no substance. But and he said, and as for the crowd, don't 
don't follow because mm. they're just because they're popular stand on the right side. And we mm. know that, you know, in Revelation 12, we read, here are the patients of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus, or some versions say the faith of Jesus. Mm. And so that is standing on the right side is what the God's word actually says mm. to us, isn't it, in every kind of way. Absolutely. Yeah, and we have been so blessed to be able to, to know truth and to see through and decipher what's taking place. And, you know, I, I, I keep up with some political commentators. I keep up with some people who are talking about the current issues, say, like in Israel and Hamas and Palestine. And there's so many different takes on, on what is happening there. And there's people asserting, oh, no, this is, this is genocide on one side. There are people saying, oh, this is, this is terrorism. This is this. This is that. Who's at fault? And whatnot, and oh, it's it's Israel are the bullies. Oh, it's Hamas are uh, evil savages. Like it's 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 it just goes backwards and forwards in these mm. echo chambers mm. that that I guess make people feel as though okay, I need to take a side on this issue because one person has to be bad and one person has to be good. Yeah, but the reality hey. of the situation here is that we are all fallen short of the glory of God and we are in desperate need to go to him and to seek repentance. And I think in, in this case, it's like, man, like there is, there is the want for death from both sides. Like it's, 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 it's awful from, from both sides. And I I don't want to get too much into commentating on who's right and wrong in, in this Israel Palestine thing, because the reality of the situation is, is that it's, a, a terrible modern tragedy. But so let's stand with Christ. Like that's that's where we're at. Let's stand with Christ. Absolutely. And the stories that we're going to be covering this week um, are really fascinating ones because we're actually looking mission to the powerful. Mm. And um, yes. and I love really what, again, what Pastor Justin actually mentioned because it actually brought us in already ahead a little bit into the background of the story that we're actually going to be covering today um, when we're actually looking at the mission to the powerful. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Connect with us on 0491-064-669. And so in looking to Mission to the Powerful, today we're actually going to be covering about King Nebuchadnezzar, which is a fascinating mm. and interesting and an important story for us. And so just before we go into that, there's a few verses that are really crucial for us to read because, you know, we believe, of course, that, you know, I mean, the Bible speaks of, about um, unlimited atonement, which means that in contrast to, um, you know, that Christ's death is for all humanity mm-hmm. um, is what unlimited atonement is all about. And so let's actually go to some verses. I've actually got First Timothy 2 verse 4. Are you able to turn to First John 2 verse 2? And also Ephesians 1, 4, because that'll give us that bit of a context as to why we're then looking at Daniel chapter 4, which is a long chapter. We won't get the chance necessarily to read all of it today. It, we could take days in unpacking Daniel chapter 4, but today, so we're going to go in within our limited time and really go to some of the real key points. But this is some of the context or background with which we need to keep in mind Daniel chapter 4 as we look at King Nebuchadnezzar. So First Timothy 2 verse 4 says this um, who as in the same for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior is the verse before who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth mm. it's not that it's like you know it's like you know he predestines any of us beforehand the other day we were talking about that last week that mm. you know some people tend to believe that you know from when we are born and you know God seals who is going to be saved and who isn't going to be saved mm. here the Bible tells us that all are to be saved and be 
because here's the key thing. Jesus came and died on the cross for all, and then all have the chance to respond to that, to have the choice to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus, because God is not a God of force. God is a God of love, Mm. and he is a God of compassion and of mercy and of grace. He's also a God of justice. We need to remember that too. But here's this beautiful thing. It's for all to be saved. These early verses in First Timothy chapter 2 are among my favorite in the whole Bible. I would say it's top three favorite passages in the Bible for me. And particularly when it says like, for, you know, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God as Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And that follows with, for there is one God mm-hmm. and one mediator yes. um, for, for, between yes. God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus that's right. And uh, Hebrews covers that so beautiful, particularly yeah. chapter 8 and and, and chapter nine, yeah. And, and what we see there is again, there's one mediator for all. Yes. Uh, there, there's, you know, and, and people want to highlight, oh, maybe people are saved this way or people are saved this way. And we call that dispensationalism. And the reason I wholeheartedly agree, disagree with that is that Christ was, yes, the Jewish Messiah, but he, through his death and again, through the way that the church spread and proliferated from there, it was obvious as like, no, Jesus's death. Mm-hmm. is for all throughout all for time. All. Absolutely. Like the way the people are saved is through Jesus' sacrifice, and it's through, hey, Jesus has died on the cross, giving offer and and making want for all people to turn to repentance and to be saved. And, and I think, well, this is the very thing that incites mission or motivates mission is that we believe, hey, Jesus has died for all, Jesus has given his life for all, and now all have the ability to respond. Yes, love it. And that is... And, and I think what's really important here is particularly as we talk about a mission to the powerful yep. is that that all that we want to respond is despite class, despite race, absolutely, despite area, despite nation, despite affiliation, we want all to come to repentance. We want all to turn to Christ. That's I love that. Absolutely. Mm. And so with that, can you then move to first John chapter two yeah. and verse two? And then what we'll actually do is go over to David, Daniel, Daniel chapter Daniel chapter 4 after that. Yeah, so we've got here 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2 where the Bible says, And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Which is what we've just been saying, isn't it? That is exactly it for the whole world, not limited class, not limited to race. It's absolutely everyone, Mm. absolutely everyone. And then also Ephesians 1, 4 says, in him before the foundation of the world was everyone chosen, everyone was chosen before the foundation Mm. of the world. So it's not talking about the fact that we're chosen about saved or not saved, that we are just chosen as you know, his his children, that he wants all to be saved. Mm. And so as we actually go to Daniel chapter 4, we won't have the chance to read absolutely all of it, but we actually look here at Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar's second dream. So King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon, of course, which was the the most powerful empire at that time. Mm. And, um, And what we see here is... As Pastor Justin said that, you know, there's the stories in chapter one, three, four, five, and six. They are historical stories. Yeah. Um, you know, the second part of Daniel and chapter two of Daniel are actually prophetic, mm. um, uh, yeah. stories in there. And what we're actually finding here in the historical segment in the chapter just before we go into, um, into chapter two. So we know in J- Daniel chapter two, the king has a dream of a statue that talks about all the different and empires that that uh, would then follow after him, you know, the head of gold, silver, then uh, which represent um, Babylon, Medo, Persia, Rome, 
Yeah. Sorry, Greece, then Rome, and then, of course, the feet of iron and clay, and that there's another kingdom that will come, which is represented by the stone that actually hits the statue, and it's actually the second coming of Jesus, so a new kingdom established, mm. which is, you know, God's eternal kingdom. And so then chapter 3 actually goes back to a historical story once again. We've got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that are actually thrown into the fiery furnace because the king has actually made a statue all of gold and they had to bow, bow down to that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Jesus shows up in the fiery furnace with them. And interestingly, Nebuchadnezzar actually does actually recognize that, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, because he actually says then at the end of chapter 3, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, you know, and he says to them, come come out, you know, servants of the Most High God, come out. And so this is a real turning point for Nebuchadnezzar, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And we come to chapter 4, which is actually Nebuchadnezzar's personal testimony of coming yeah, to faith, which is absolutely. amazing. It's actually written by him. He, it is written he, by he, him. He is self-authored and he goes through it, which is such a cool moment. And I, I wonder, like, we, we understand that Daniel compiled this towards the end of his life. I'm wondering if he got Nebuchadnezzar to write it down before his death so that he could then take it and transcribe it into yeah. his book once he compiled it towards be, the end of his yeah. life. We don't know how, do we? But yeah. it's there. That's but, the fascinating thing. It's and, there. And we really know that it's Nebuchadnezzar. Like, when we look at the historicity of the book of Daniel, this section is actually written in Aramaic yes. rather than Hebrew. The first opening chapters are written in Hebrew. This section is written in Aramaic. And then the following sections are written in Aramaic before going back to Hebrew. But it's like, well, what was the reason they were writing in Aramaic? That's because it was the, the language. It was the language of the nation at the time. That's right. And he writes essentially how it is that being the king of the most powerful empire in the known world, which is still starkly pagan, not only starkly pagan, but Babylon being essentially the inventor of ancient Near Eastern paganism. Mm -hmm. And again, Babylon is an old, old nation, even Mm. by this point. This is the Neo-Babylonian Empire. Mm. So it's an empire that's set up in the form of Babylon. But the people who are running the Neo-Babylonian Empire at this time, Nebuchadnezzar, particularly in his family, they're not even necessarily Mesopotamian. They're Chaldean, which is like a different race to the traditional Babylonians. But they're like, yep, this is our area. This this is a modern day, like Iran, this kind of area in the Middle East. They're like, yep, we're setting up this nation, this this amazing empire. And in this, Nebuchadnezzar, this extremely historical, famous figure in history, one of the greatest builders who's ever lived, one of the greatest emperors who's ever lived, he encounters God mm. in his own life mm. and experiences his love, experience, experiences humbling and humility and recognizes and realizes, no, like God in heaven above is far above any power that I hold. Mm. And that's what we see when we get into his story, which opens up first couple of verses here. And, you know, he, 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 um, he just says, Hey, I never can this is verse four was that rest of my house flourishing in my palace. I was living my best life, you know, and this is, I think maybe for a lot of people, this is, might be how this testimony starts. It's like, man, I was living my best life. You know, I was the king of the greatest nation in the world. And then he receives this dream, which is, you know, makes him a bit nervous. He then goes and consults the astrologers and the, uh, and the magicians and whatnot. Hey, what does this dream mean? They don't know. And then he goes to Daniel and he's like, hey, Daniel, my revered Daniel, my dream interpreter, you know, the Daniel is faithful Hebrew, God following man. What does this dream 
dream about. And Daniel's initial reaction, he's like, hey, uh, don't get too mad at me about what's going to be here. He sees this dream of a tree. He sees that it's all lovely. But then all of a sudden, the tree gets chopped down. Mm. That's what he sees. And the mm-hmm. question is for Nebuchadnezzar, well, what does this mean? I, I see this dream of the tree and it's all flourishing. It's all amazing. Now it gets all chopped down. Like, is, is this about me? Is this about my kingdom? Is this about the world? What's going on here? And Daniel responds. We're going to get into his response. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. With Danuta and Lawson, and it's come time for us to give our last quiz question. Please, Lawson, take it away. All right. This one is simply a fill in the blank this morning. Here we go. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be blank to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's chapter. That's Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. I love this verse because when I was baptized all of those many, many moons ago when I was a, a fresh, young, 18 years old, I recited this verse at my baptism and I, I was like, I believe, you know, this is what God has called me to do all the way, all the way back then. I, and, uh, you know, it's amazing to see that God has fulfilled that in me and, and has given me so much opportunity to, to, to be able to do this thing, which is the answer. This is, this is the blank. But hey, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be blank to me in Jerusalem and Nord Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. If you know the answer, you'll go into the drawer for preaching from the grave by Phoditus Nidalium Garbe, as well as the man the Anzacs revered, which is actually written by Daniel Raynard, but about William Fighting Mac Mackenzie, who was an Anzac chaplain during World War One, going over to Gallipoli and, you know, being with the, uh, the guys over there, the Anzacs over there. So just amazing stories of faith, people standing for what they believe in and even, you know, supporting and helping people around them as well. 0491-064-669. That's the number if you know the answer. And we're continuing our Bible study time in Daniel chapter 4. We want to encourage our listeners to read that chapter, or not just that chapter, but all of the book of Daniel, Mm. um, but to read this whole chapter because we don't have the chance to read all of it on air today. But we're actually looking at uh, the most powerful man that lived at the time of uh, Daniel, and that was King Nebuchadnezzar as um, the, the king of Babylon at the time. And we're talking about the fact that Mission to the powerful is important, mm. of course. Daniel, Shadrach, Mission, and Abednego actually lived the life of following God, and they were a great example to the king. Um, and, you know, we see at the start of the story, so this is um, King Nebuchadnezzar's actually writing because it says Nebuchadnezzar the king. We know that he writes this in verse 2 and 3. says, I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. Mm. And verse 3, how great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Mm. And so right there we see that, you know, he is responding to the God, the true God of heaven, mm. the one that Daniel, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego actually follow. And, um, you know, the fact that God actually reaches powerful unbelievers as mm. well. That's what this story tells us. But then what we actually see is that, yes, he has this dream and Daniel in- interprets the dream. Uh, which of course is the, the, the one of 
the tree and the tree being cut down. Mm. And then that all comes to fruition. You know, the interpretation of the dream Daniel gives gives us, doesn't he? And so yeah. can you give us that interpretation of the dream that is really clearly outlined from, you know, chapter 9, particular, yeah, chapter, we, verse 19, sorry, onwards. And then it, and it goes through this phase of Nebuchadnezzar then going through humiliation, but then his true conversion really mm. comes at the end of that period of time, doesn't it? Yeah, Daniel is really nervous to share this oh, interpretation. Yeah, because it's all about the king. <laughs> because it's about him, but furthermore, it's about his downfall. Yeah. When we pick it up in verse 20, yeah. the Bible says here, the tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached the heavens and which could see all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit were abundant and was for, and food for all, under which the beasts uh, in the field dwelt and in whose branches the birds of the heaven had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. And it's like, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. Like I'm represented by this amazing, awesome tree. And then it continues on in verse 23. It says, and inasmuch as you, as the king saw a watcher, a holy one come down from heaven saying, chop down the tree and destroy it. But the leaves and its sump and the fruit bound, bound with a band of iron and bronze in tender grass in the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree from the Most High, which has come upon you. They shall drive you from men. Mm. Your dwelling shall be with beasts of the field. Imagine that. And they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven seven times till man pass over you. Basically saying, you're going to go mad and become homeless. Yes. Like from being the most powerful king in the world, yep. you're going to beca- become mad mm. and be homeless. And then it, he continues on from here and he's like, hey, like this, let this advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lightning a lengthening, sorry, of your prosperity. Mm. So he's like, hey, judgment is coming upon you, king, from God. Mm. Nebuchadnezzar, look, if if you were to repent, if you were to turn to God, maybe this will be maybe this will be let up. And of course, Daniel would have had the example of, say, a Jonah mm-hmm. in the past. And we talked about Jonah in the previous weeks, how Jonah rocks up to Nineveh, he proclaims their destruction, and because of their repentance, their destruction is relinquished. He says, "Look, Nebuchadnezzar, like this is going to happen to you. You need to, you need to repent." Mm. And and the interesting thing is too, he says at the end of twenty five, and then also then in verse I think thirty two. But he says, you know, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, mm. so that you know that 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 fall for him that where you say you know that he's going to have, um, you know, be homeless and 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 you know and 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 the fall that basically you know. It's going to be until the time that he actually recognizes that it's actually the most high, you know, at the end of that, in other words, that he'll recognize yeah. that the most high is the one to be exalted and not self-exaltation. And I think the beautiful thing about this is that God isn't wanting to give us unnecessary consequence and judge us no. and treat us harsh, harshly. He's like, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, like you can circumvent this. Like you can stop this. Like you, if you, if you repent and go to him, like you can stop this, but Unfortunately, we come to verse 28, and it's like, all this thing came upon Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace in Babylon, and the king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon 
that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty. Mm, right there, self-exaltation. He, he just makes the point. He's just like, <laughs> hey, like this, like Babylon, and the Bible makes very clear up until this point, particularly in the book of Habakkuk, which is one of the minor prophets. Like he says, God says, I am raising up Nebuchadnezzar and the Chaldeans as a foil to Israel to rule the world and to stop and to basically destroy Israel as punishment towards Israel. Like, God has his hand mm, in this. Mm-hmm. But Nebuchadnezzar's like, no, this is me. Like, mm. I did this. As a result, Nebuchadnezzar is struck with deafness and dumbness for for seven mm, years and mm. basically becomes an animal. Like, mm-hmm. really, he, he just loses his sense of personhood mm-hmm. and is made to dwell in the fields. He's like literally living as a, his hair becomes really long and his nails becomes really long. He literally is like living as a, as a farm animal Mm -hmm. for about seven years until he comes to his senses after seven years and he praises God. And you might say, Hey, that's pretty harsh. But Nebuchadnezzar himself realized I was proud. Mm -hmm. I didn't give me, I thought I was the most powerful king. I didn't give respect to the real power Mm. and not only the king who is the most powerful, but the king who loves me the most, like God who's provided everything to me. And we see him give, give praise to God. And we see him exalt God. And it's like, Hey, doesn't he, your honor, your power is in heaven. And I give my allegiance to you who is truly just and who is truly loving. That's what he he concludes in the end. Absolutely. And in verse 34, it says, and at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And then it says in verse 36, I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of of heaven, all of those whose works are truth and his ways justice. Mm. And those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. So just really powerful testimony there, isn't there? And right mm. there we actually see, we could unpack so much more. But we see through this that firstly God uses committed believers um, like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to actually breach and, uh, you know, to be a bridge to reach powerful people. And secondly, you know, God can directly intervene in, in the witnessing process um, and, you know, yes, Nebuchadnezzar was humbled, but the beautiful thing is that he turned, you know, his pride and arrogance was actually turned into humility. And through that, um, there was this just transformation of what God did on his heart and how he came mm. back to the Lord. So we want to encourage our listeners today, give your heart to the Lord. You know, be careful of pride, be careful of arrogance, mm. be careful of self-exaltation and selfishness. You know, our God is a God of love and of selflessness. And our God wants to embrace you in every way. And he actually wants to give you the absolute best in every way. He wants to bless you. He is by your side and he wants you to give him all honor and praise for he is worthy to be praised. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And it has come time for for us to give our answers to the quiz questions. Take it away. Yeah, that's right. Here we go. What Old Testament prophet healed the waters of Jericho by throwing salt into a spring? It was none other than Elisha, of course, the successor to Elijah, holding in the mantle of the prophet. 
in the nation of Israel, the Northern Kingdom of Israel at the time. Next here, what servant girl in her excitement at learning Peter was out of prison and at the door left him knocking while she ran to tell the other disciples? That was Rhoda. Yeah. And, dude, Rhoda the servant girl, she was just so stoked that Peter was there. And yeah, in her excitement, just just took off, you know. But hey, nah, she, like, I, I think that this yeah, they is such were pray- a funny they story. Were pray- they were praying for them the re- for the re- release from prison, of course. Mm. And then when she came to the door she and heard his voice, she couldn't believe it was actually him. <laughs> Slammed the door She's in like, his no face. Slammed the door and went to tell the others. And they're like, well, let him in. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a cool story. Yeah, the next one here, how many minor prophets wrote books in the Bible? There was 12 of them and we were saying, uh, you know, it's got a bit of a parallel to the 12 apostles who were in the New Testament, you know, called by Jesus to follow him and to go out and set up churches and whatnot. Next one here, what three-word question did Pontius Pilate utter after Jesus said he had come into the world to testify the truth? Was it A, how are you? B, are you insane? C, what is truth? Or D, am I forgiven? And the answer was C, what is truth? And, of course, Mm. you know, Jesus is like, yeah, I'm here. I'm here for truth. Like what? What is truth? It is a, quite a deep philosophical question, isn't you know? it? Can truth be determined? You know, mm. what, what, like, well, it seems that Jesus. It seems as though everyone is against you. Mm. What is your truth? <laughs> yeah, very interesting stuff. But it's it's Pontius Pilate who recognizes. Wait, this person is innocent. He's not guilty, and potentially could be even the son of God, and unfortunately doesn't live up to his convictions and lets Jesus be killed. And then finally here, fill in the blank, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Love it. it's amazing. We've got all the answers here. And if you answered a bunch of those questions correctly, hey, well, congratulations for doing a fantastic job. If you didn't answer questions today, mate, got to get in. We have opportunities all throughout the week. But uh, hey, I have a quote here I want to read you. This is like a really cool quote from a book that I read earlier this year. The book's called, well, I've read it for the first time in 2018, but I read it again earlier this year. It's called Christian Service. And in chapter 20, it says this. It says, there is a work to be done for the wealthy. They need to be awakened in their responsibilities as those entrusted with the gifts of heaven. They need to be reminded that they ha- they must give an account to him how sh- who shall judge the living and the dead. And so we see here this like this advice given basically to those who are trying to serve, um, who are trying to, you know, who are trying to do ministry that, hey, the wealthy aren't to be neglected. Those of means aren't to be neglected. It goes on here. This is my favorite quote of the part of the quote. It says, those who stand in the world, high in the world for their education, wealth, or calling are seldom addressed personally in regard to the interests of the soul. Many Christian workers hesitate to approach these classes, but this should not be. Mm. If a man were drowning, we should not stand by and see him perish because he was a lawyer, a merchant, or a judge. If we saw persons rushing over a precipice, we should not hesitate to urge them back, whatever might be their position or calling. Neither should we hesitate to to warn men of the peril of the soul. And it's like, you could look at Nebuchadnezzar, and you could say, man, Nebuchadnezzar's got everything he could possibly need. You know, what 
power does God have to work in that situation? And we see from his testimony, it was obviously that Nebuchadnezzar came to realize and understand, despite the power that I have, God is so much more powerful. These people in these situations, the men of power, edu- men and women of power, education, mm. and influence, God is saying in this amazing quote is saying here, look, they need to be reached. Mm-hmm. They have perils of the soul, mm-hmm. just as we have perils mm-hmm. of the soul that need to be addressed. They are seeking after the Lord and we have something to say to them. So guys, you know, we want to encourage you as you walk with the Lord, or maybe you're inquisitive, you're questioning, God, where do you want me to be led? Hey, be led to him. Guy's just written in, hello, I wanted to share, I took my son to see Colin Buchanan yesterday in Wollongong. Praise God for him. I prayed for him with his permission. This man is on fire for God and our kids and I'll send in a photo, Sky says. You know, Colin was actually interviewed here on Faith FM some time ago too. So thanks for letting us know, Sky. That's great. I actually, I was with a bunch of people on Sabbath and we were just talking, they were talking about growing up with Colin Buchanan. Oh, wow. Hey. It was so cool. Also, Wayne wrote in and he said, hey, Lawson, good word to knock. I was reading about it over Sabbath in my Andrews Commentary Study Bible uh, in the introduction. I could never pronounce it. Yeah, it's Tanakh. It's actually a, a kind of like a, it's three different words put together and I could explain it, but it's just, hey, this is, it's, I don't remember what the root words were in Hebrew, but it's Tanakh. It's just a, the writings, the poems, and the prophets as well. And remember to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. I'll be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.